Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek Discovery podcast by two moms who write about autism and who also happen to be Star Trek fans. We talk about the new series, compare it with previous versions of Star Trek, and also talk about any autism examples we see along the way. I am your host, Elizabeth. Hi, I'm Vicki. Together, we are Moms Going Boldly. Welcome back to Moms Going Boldly. We are continuing our exploration of Mirror Universe episodes in the Star Trek series. And today we are talking about the first of the Deep Space Nine Mirror Universe episodes. This one is entitled Crossover. And this episode takes place in a time when when we cross into the Mirror Universe, it's no longer the Terran Empire, and we find out the repercussions of Captain Kirk's impassioned speech to Spock in Mirror Mirror and, and how that resulted in change in the Mirror Universe. So the episode starts out with Dr. Bashir and Major Kira in a runabout, and they are returning from a journey to the Gamma Quadrant, it's kind of a cute scene between the two of them. This is the second season, so Dr. Bashir is still in his sort of boyish stage where he is not always aware of how he's coming across to others. And for those who are interested in our autism observation, sometimes Dr. Bashir's lack of awareness of how he's impacting others socially looks a little bit like autism. What do you think? Absolutely. He doesn't take social cues well sometimes, communication cues well. For example, in this particular scene, Major Kira is clearly tired, and she would like to have an opportunity to quietly meditate. And Dr. Bashir doesn't get the hint about quiet. And so when she tries to close her eyes and meditate, he starts to talk to her about his meditation techniques that he uses and that he's learned, and he shows them to her, and he uses Bellow's breath. <laughs> <laughs> And she's not getting the quiet she needs. And finally she gives up because he's not seeing the tone of voice and the facial expressions and the rolling of the eyes that are indicating that she really wants just quiet and not conversation. They go through the wormhole in their runabout and they encounter some difficulties in the wormhole. And when they successfully escape the other side, they're immediately surprised to see that Deep Space Nine is not in orbit of the wormhole. It's in orbit of Bajor, which is not where they left it when they went on their away mission. And in traveling to the space station, they are stopped by another ship and boarded by Klingons. And when Kira gets up to demand to know what's going on, they seem confused, they apologize, and they offer to escort her back to the station. And when they get to the station, they discover that Garrick is meeting them in Cardassian uniform, and they're confused. They say that Kira must be an imposter, and shortly after, they 
arrive, another Kira shows up in a skin-tight leather uniform. <laughs> and she's called the Intendant. And she knows exactly what has happened. She understands the history of the Terran Empire and of the Mirror Universe to know that this is a crossover from one universe to another. You know, shortly after this, we learn that Kirk was successful in his speech to Spock in the Mirror Universe in the episode Mirror Mirror. And Spock instigated reforms that dismantled the Empire and were designed to bring about peace. However, in the power vacuum left by the elimination of the Terran Empire, other entities moved in and took over. So what happened is there's the creation of this alliance, which appears to be uh, Cardassians and Klingons, and the Bajorans have been admitted, admitted into the alliance. And it's the Terrans who are enslaved and who are oppressed. And as they arrive, Dr. Bashir, being a Terran, is sent to ore processing because that's where the Terrans go. And Kira is treated with respect and dignity and even fawning adulation by her mirror universe counterpart. And in a way, we're seeing sort of the flip side of what the Bajorans experienced in our universe. Instead of having gone through the occupation and the subjugation by the Cardassians, they're in positions of power in the Terran universe or in the mirror universe. Any thoughts on what you saw in this first few moments of this episode usually like mirror universe episodes and as you know deep space nine is my favorite of all the star trek series it's really like this episode and i was really glad that they went there so it was they went there a little too often yeah so i really liked it so it was like Um, peanut butter and chocolate mixing two of your favorite things (laughs) yeah so um yeah it took uh, again it took me a couple of minutes to realize what was going on. And I was surprised also to find out that Captain Kirk, this is all his fault. <laughs> One thing to note is that when the intendant explained all this to Kira, Kira didn't really know anything about it. So she was, you know, functioning outside of the knowledge that we as the viewer had. But when Kira was able to finally touch base with Dr. Bashir, he knew about it. And right. he, well, he, she wouldn't. She's not Star Trek. Exactly. I mean, Starfleet. Exactly. So he knew about it. He recognized it. And so the two of them set off in search of a transporter because that's how that crossover had taken place in Mirror Mirror. Now, what's interesting is, is that because this episode, the only Mirror Universe episode that existed up to this point when Deep Space Nine's episode crossover took place was Mirror Mirror. But chronologically, we now have seven episodes of crossover into the mirror universe of one kind or another. So we know, again, as the viewer, and because we know our mirror universe history, that transporters are not the only way that you can get back and forth. And clearly, with the advent of the the wormhole, the wormhole adds another dimension to how you can get over. So now, our ways of getting across are, there was the interface that the Tholians created. There was the transporter and ion storm way to cross over that Lorca experienced in Discovery. 
There's the spore drive crossover method. The transporter ion storm method was what happened in Mirror Mirror. And now we have the wormhole. So right. we, have, we have four different ways to get into the Mirror Universe. And as this moves forward with these Deep Space Nine episodes, there are other ways. Who knows? We may see the Mirror Universe again. Where? In Deep Space Nine, you mean? Or? Nor in Discovery. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, we see the Mirror Universe too much in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, Discovery, they're... Maybe they go back to find Lorca because there's so many ways to get there. It's not like it's just a one-time shot the way the original series Mirror Mirror episode made it look. So Bashir and Kira go to find themselves a transporter, and Kira goes to speak to Quark, because, of course, in our universe, Quark is a master scrounger and finagler. In that universe, Quark is a little bit of a different character. He's not so greedy and money-grubbing, and he actually is the most compassionate character in that mirror universe on the station. And he is the one that smuggles out Terrans, not for money, but because he feels badly for them. And before she has an opportunity to really get into the nitty-gritty details about whether he can get her a transport or not, he's arrested, and so she loses that particular avenue. Bashir, in ore processing, is trying to see if he can work with the O'Brien in that universe, who is a slave, who is the tinkerer and putterer on the station, and who wants to just keep his head down and stay out of trouble. He's not interested in helping or fostering you know, fomenting revolution in any way. And so Bashir has a hard time earning his trust because there's no reason why O'Brien should trust him. Kira is invited back to, oh, I should say before Kira is invited back, she meets the Cisco in this universe. And he's essentially a pirate. Yes. He's a pirate who's being sexually harassed by the intendant. It's kind of an interesting twist. It's not stated outright, but there's lots of little double entendres that suggest what the relationship is. And it also suggests that he doesn't actually really enjoy it that much. It doesn't f- seem fully consensual. Scene specifically when, when she meets him and they're in Quarks, where he's paged. Yes. To go for one minute, split second, you see how his face changed. Yeah. About it, how he hated the situation. And then he put on his happy face when he had to turn around and face his crew to leave. Yes. And that's great acting. It was, well, I love him. Yeah. But yes, it was. It was great acting. He's very good with wonderfully diverse facial expressions. Yes. And, uh, and, and it, so it's an example of how he was essentially engaging in sexual favors in order to earn benefits for him and his crew. Right. Which is what they call quid pro quo, sexual harassment. <laughs> He's very different than the Cisco that Kira is accustomed to. And... So she feels like she's not sure where she's going to go next with her options. And so Kira, the intended, calls Kira back to her quarters. Apparently this particular instance of harassment is completed. And Kira's in the bath and Cisco's lying on the couch. And I should not call her Kira anymore. I need to call her the intendant so I keep them straight. So the intendant is in the bath. Cisco is lying on the couch. Kira comes in. The intendant says... I hear you've been looking for a transporter. We can't get you a transporter. They were changed, modified, so that that crossover couldn't take place anymore. So that's not going to do you any good. And then they bring in Quark, who has been interrogated and tortured for his role in allowing Terrans to escape their captivity. 
and the intendant orders his execution. So we see then we get we get these pieces are coming together where the intendant is gracious to Kira, but brutal in her own way. And this universe is just not the place that Kira and Julian want to be. And there's no one there that's going to help them. They're going to have to figure out how to do that on their own. So you get a sense of the urgency from just the complete disconnect of morals and values. And then you later learn that Bashir is going to be killed if Kira doesn't help Garrick murder the intendant and take her place. So now we have a time frame. We have the urgency based on the unpredictability of the morals of the culture. And then we have a time frame that one way or the other, this has to be solved in a very short period of time because someone's going to die. Kira goes to Cisco to try to talk him into helping her to save the intendant because I guess she didn't recognize the nature of the relationship. And he was like, Garrick's always trying to kill her. So you're not telling me anything new. (laughs) And why do you think I'm going to help you? And she does a little bit of the guilt thing that we've seen in the previous sort of Mirror Universe episodes. She talks about how the other Cisco, her Cisco, is very different than this one. And in other episodes, you know, like our Captain Archer episodes, that's a really disabling thought. But it doesn't work that way for Cisco. For Cisco, it actually spurs positive action. So I like the way that they kind of did the counterpoint with that. The counterpart in our universe influences the counterpart in the mirror universe. With Archer, it was a negative influence. With Cisco, it's a positive influence. Yeah. O'Brien agrees to help Bashir. And they get caught. But not after Bashir kills the Odo in this universe, who is the overseer of ore processing. And they're caught and they're brought to the intendant. And she decides to have them executed publicly and painfully because she's so unhappy about Odo's death. Just as that's going to happen, Cisco makes his choice. And he steps in and stops them from taking O'Brien and Bashir away. Kira, Bashir, the Cisco and his crew, and O'Brien, they all leave the station. Kira and O'Brien get back into their runabout. They go back into the wormhole. They recreate what happened in there and are able to come back to our universe where we get to see our wonderful, kind Cisco and Dax looking perfectly normal. And I thought there was something funny that happened at the end there when they said, where have you been? And she said, through the looking glass, Captain. And I wondered how she would know Lewis Carroll, but not Captain Kirk. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, <laughs> Captain Kirk is Starfleet. I'm sure he's star, a Starfleet legend, whereas Lewis Carroll... Is more universal? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's all I could, I mean, come up. She's just been... Um, this is only the, what, the second season? Yes. And been around Starfleet all that, all that long to know all of the backstory and legends and what they learned at the academy yes and that's the it, it, it might not even be a lewis carroll reference even even maybe not no i no. don't I, I don't know perhaps i'm being too nitpicky <laughs> so that's the really? end of the episode they 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 show up they're in their runabout she's in her evening gown that she was wearing for the intendant's event he's covered with or dirt and sweat <laughs> i really did think that um 
Miles' speech was what turned Cisco. Do you think that was it, and not the and not the the reference to the counterpart? Yeah, I, that's you, you know you may be right. Now that you mention it, that makes a lot of sense. So that well, that's the way I saw it anyway. And um, Quark, I think there's a little bit of that Quark in our Quark. Yes. It's just buried under profit making. I think at least towards the end of Deep Space Nine, the series, I think Quark, you see a big change in Quark. Yeah, he does seem to evolve. I think there's still a little bit of that um, in him, the all of Starfleet being on the on the um, station to bring it out. Yeah. Did you do you remember the episode? I don't remember which episode it was, but Quark and Garrick are sitting in the bar and Quark serves Garrick some root beer. And he said, just taste it. And Garrick says, it's vile. And Quark's like, I know, right? And Garrick says, it's so sweet and bubbly. Quark's like, it's like the Federation. But if you keep drinking, it starts to grow on you. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember that. It's a great scene. (laughs) So here we are. This is our next iteration of the Mirror Universe. And it really changes gears a lot here in sort of the story arc of the Mirror Universe. Because we're no longer in the Terran Empire as we have been with all the other episodes up to this point. Now we're in an entirely different governmental framework. And yet the oppression and the ruling by fear is still the order of the day. It's still the way this culture functions. It just all flip-flopped from one side to the other. Exactly. It's an interesting thing where, because before, you know, the humans were on top. They were the victors, they were in charge, and they were subjugating everyone around them. Now they're the ones being subjugated, and yet it's still as dark, if not darker. Yeah, I agree. Do do I like that? Is it darker? It's a light. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just wondering... You know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm saying, if not darker. And and I'm not sure I like what I said anymore because, yeah, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with darker because the Alliance were into revenge for the crimes of the Terran Empire rather than learning the lessons of the crimes of the Terran Empire. And I think in some ways that makes it darker. Absolutely. They're, they just, they, they're doing exactly what... Any other thoughts on crossover on on how this moves that story arc forward it certainly is very surprising to see how much captain kirk's words to spock had an impact i mean that's huge changed the entire course of history for this universe did fortunately not in the way but yeah i don't think kirk had this in mind no i really like this episode i really I do too. And I, I remember it's my impression and I would have to, you know, going over these episodes together, I think it's going to be really helpful. It's my impression that sort of like the intendant character became more of a caricature as time went along. I was going to say that because, and like I said before, I just think they went there far too often, but. But this time I really liked how nuanced she was. episode after episode after episode it it got to be annoying and you're right a caricature is exactly the way I would yeah Uh, but this time I really enjoyed watching her I I enjoyed watching um, sort of how the how 
how her character unfolded, you know, we expected her to be similar to Kira, and in some ways she was. But then as her character unfolded, we realized how she had been influenced so deeply by her own culture that the differences, while not immediately obvious, were striking when they emerged. Right, but I also wonder if Kira, because there was one point where she said, you fear yourself. I wonder if Kira could see herself turning out that way. Oh, that's... Go ahead. Because she's been through pretty much of um, hardships in her life. She didn't turn that turn that way, but I could see episodes of Kira when she was just angry Joran who didn't want to work with Starfleet. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. How much of herself did Kira see in the intendant? Fantastic. Some of the times when you saw her shocked at what the intendant was doing. I didn't even, I didn't always think it was her being shocked. I think it was her being afraid, like, I could do that too. I have that in me. Yeah, I agree. It's an excellent observation. Any other excellent observations? I don't know if they're excellent, but <laughs> but Miles really is the same. Yeah, in a lot of ways he is, isn't he? That much different, except that he was a little bit, you know, beaten down. And Odo was happy. the same. I, th- I thought he played himself the same, too. That's what he could be if they let him go, I believe. You mean like if he actually aligned with the Dominion? Or if they just allowed him to do whatever he wanted to do, um, you know, and not follow any of their the Starfleet rules, I, I believe he could be like that. Right, in the, na- in the name of order, because he was always motivated by order. Right. Yeah. Him going that length to keep order. Yeah. Because there's a lot of times during the, se- the during the series that, you know, what he wants to do is totally the opposite of what Starfleet wants him to do. Yes. In the name of keeping order. Any other options? I didn't see that so- we're all that different. Yeah. Any other? So we're going to then move on into our Deep Space Nine episodes. Uh, the next one in the Mirror Universe series is Through the Looking Glass. So when we come back to do our next podcast, we can talk about that episode and how it continues to move the Mirror Universe story arc forward. And hopefully the caricatureness won't, is that a word, be too painful to watch. And like I said, as much as I love Deep Space Nine, and I do, there is a couple of arcs that they just took too far. And I always thought they went to the Mirror Universe far too often. The Victimone towards the end of the series used that character far too often too. Yeah, Deep Space Nine is my favorite as well. Yeah, and but um, there was a couple of things that I thought they just out too far. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we thank our listeners for joining us, and encourage you to join us next time when we discuss the Deep Space Nine episode through the Looking Glass. <laughs> If you'd like to reach us, I can be reached on my blog, autismmom.com. I could be found at taking it a step at a time at takingstep.com. Links to both of our blogs are in the sidebar of the Moms Going Boldly Podbean podcast website. And we hope you'll join us again for the next episode of Moms Going Boldly.
The music on Moms Going Boldly is called Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. Ross Bugden Music can be found on Twitter at Ross Bugden.